We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nikhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night on We Are Women, Beauty Redefined. I am so excited to have Gloria Chow on the podcast today. Gloria is a small business PR expert and award-winning pitch writer who teaches early stage founders how to hack their own PR with her proprietary three-step CPR pitching method. This method has helped thousands of bootstrapped small businesses get over a combined 1 billion organic views in top tier outlets like the New York Times, Vogue, Fast Company, Forbes, and more. During this episode, Gloria shares how she was affected growing up as a Chinese American girl and how growing up she saw different experiences that contributed to where she is today. Gloria spoke about how she gained eye-opening experiences as a woman of color surrounded by white Americans growing up and how she shifted seeing her beauty from how others perceived her to growing her definition of worth and confidence from the inside out. Gloria shared why she shifted her career path from a successful career as a diplomat to starting her own successful business and how she shifted her mindset to become in alignment. I can't wait for you to listen in and be inspired. Oh my God. I was honestly undiagnosed ADHD, which I still think I am. Um, just always just like bouncing off the walls, super high energy, unfocused. And in a way that kind of like do everything and be a, be a generalist, that really has been like the narrative of my entire career because I've never really just stuck to one thing. Right. And how did that affect you growing up as a kid? Oh, um, I think that, you know, I don't know if you, people can see this, but I am a very Chinese looking woman. I'm a Chinese American first generation woman. And in the Chinese community, Chinese women need to put their head down to, you know, just be very um, obedient. And so being loud and curious and doing all the things, it just really was culturally not looked, you know, upon as like something acceptable. So I feel like my whole life, I never quite belong into that cultural narrative. I think my mother always told me, you know, I really think you have like the energy of like a boy or like what, like you are not a graceful woman, you know, I'm, I'm quite clumsy. So um, it, in a way, I always kind of, you know, didn't fit that stereotypical like Chinese American girl, you know, identity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Did that, how, how was that growing up as a Chinese American girl in an American culture? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think the way I grew up was a little bit different than a lot of, you know, what I call ABC, which is American born Chinese in that I actually spent many years of my life in Beijing. So I was born in California and then growing up, I went back and forth and back and forth and I'll live with my grandparents, like in the summers and winters, and then I would come back. So I actually 
really got to know the culture and the language. Um, so I was very fluent in, in Chinese. So I was very um, like, you know, I didn't really know where I belonged because I was very American, but at the same time, all of my family was in China. I was the only one in my entire cousins that had an upbringing outside of China, right? My mother is the youngest of five. She was the, one of the only ones that, well, actually the only one that had her kid um, outside of China. So I felt quite disconnected to my cousins, even though I'm very close with them. So um, I think growing up, I just always was very adaptable because of that, because of the moving around, because of the flying. I remember when I was, I think I was 12 years old, I had to take a flight from LA to China, which I think is like a 13 or 14 hour flight and uh, alone uh, because my mother was working and my father died when I was three. And so I had to wear this like really embarrassing like poster around my neck that was like um, help needed unaccompanied child so that when I got <laughs> off the plane, like the people could receive me and be like, oh yeah, there's that unaccompanied minor. minor. So it was kind of a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. So you were really in both worlds then because you were in the American culture and also in the Chinese culture in a way. Yeah. And I think growing up, you know, I, I always just sought different experiences because I just realized like culture is not something that's fixed and you can be in many different places. It's not like you're stuck to one. So when I studied abroad um, in college, everyone was picking London or France, right? Which is what a lot of people pick the European countries. And I said, I wanted to go to Africa. So I studied abroad in South Africa. And I remember my mom being like, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you go to France? Why don't you go to England? And I was like, I want to go to a place where I want to be exposed to something completely different. And so that being, you know, surrounded by people who are different from me has really been um, the ethos that I carry around. Like when I was growing up, I also lived for four years in my best friend's home. So I literally moved into her house in high school and she's a black family. And she was one of the only black families in predominantly white Southern Orange County. And so living with a black family and seeing what it's like to be black in America and all the different experiences I had made me really want to pursue a career that was very international and diverse. And that's why I landed upon a career in the foreign service. And, and then I was all set up to be, you know, a, a diplomat wording, working overseas for 25 years. But you know that the story changes from there. <laughs> yes, I do. I just want to say that I could totally see you being a diplomat, like totally. Like you're so good with people, like you're so good with all different types of people, you know. Um, but I want to get there. I want to get there. Um, but I want to first talk about um, a little bit I mean, you mentioned that you lived with your friend's family, a black family. So that's interesting. And you are ethnically Chinese and this friend of yours is black. Mm -hmm. um, you're both American, obviously, growing up surrounded by white kids. How did that affect you and the way that you saw yourself in regards to the, the traditional idea of beauty? Oof, well, that is a whole nother conversation. I mean, as you know, there's uh, the standard that you were brought up with seeing in the media and the way that cosmetics and the beauty industry has been marketed is the European Anglo-Saxon way of, of beauty, right? Whether it's the eye shape or the color of their skin. I think that's changing now. I mean, Rihanna with Fenty and the fact that we're embracing more colors, I think it's changing. Um, I mean, it's still a long way to go, but growing up, I definitely, race was always something that I knew um, growing up in a pr predominantly white Orange County, you know, environment that, um, that I didn't, not that I didn't fit in, but that there was this dominant narrative and then I was somehow fitting into that, right? So, and also living with my friend who was probably one of the only two black people in the entire school was absolutely eye-opening because I think when you are in a world 
where it's just one dominant race and you're not in there, you really kind of see yourself as other. Um, but if you are a white person and you belong in every room you walk in, you don't really notice that, right? So there was really eye-opening things. Um, I saw how hard she had to work. I saw her mother like hustle and grind and, you know, like have to work really, really hard in order to get the opportunities that she had. Um, and then just started to like open my eyes to the interracial dynamics in America, um, seeing life through her lens, seeing life through my lens, although we're both people of color, mine was a little bit different. She's many, right. many generations in America, right? Descendant from slaves. I'm first generation. Um, so that was really interesting as well, like the intersectionality of, of different experiences, being women of color, but different races. For sure, yeah. So how did you come to appreciate your own beauty? Because you are a beautiful woman. So how did you come to appreciate that, um, you know, even though you were surrounded by this like white culture around you? I think I was very insecure and very boy crazy. I think I think I extracted a lot of my self-worth by how other people perceive me, which, you know, a lot of when you're in your 20s, I mean, I'm in my late 30s now, was really the dominant way that I got value is like, am I being noticed by men or other people, right? So it was always this external definition of, of worth. And I think now that I'm in my 30s, I have a business and, you know, I every day I wake up with purpose in terms of serving other people. I think it's really from the inside out now where beauty is less defined by how other people perceive me, but, and more about how I perceive myself. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It always starts when, when, when you, but it comes from the inside, it's so much stronger and it's that foundation that you need to just spread everywhere and give yourself that confidence. I love that. I love that. Amazing. Okay. So now let's skip to back to, uh, I'm all over the place. Um, to um, your career trajectory. So you mentioned that you were going to be a diplomat. We both know that's not what happened. So <laughs> tell us what happened. Yeah, you know, I was always interested in new diverse experiences. So I thought international relations was something, you know, I grew up bicultural, bilingual, I studied abroad in Africa. So I was on my path to a 25, very comfortable career um, in the government, right, where I had a pension and I had, you know, you know, those like diplomatic lines at the airport, I was able to actually take that line because I had like a black passport. Um, but I was a thing miserable. I don't know if I can swear on your show, but I was on the outside, I had a great life. On the inside, I was broken and a shell of myself. I was in a wrong relationship. With, with someone who didn't value me, someone who was cheating on me financially, I was supporting, um, and then just wasn't my equal. And in a career where every day I felt like my creativity was stifled and I was a fish out of water, you know? So even though I did love um, diplomacy, the environment was very kind of rank and file, like military, right? So a hierarchy, um, you know, don't go above your chain of command. And I am someone who really doesn't feel comfortable with that. You know, like that's why, for example, like the, I would never be a lawyer, you know, or, or a police officer because I'm really about um, equality and finding new solutions. And so being in that environment where you don't feel comfortable to be yourself um, and you're in the wrong relationship, that kind of triggered like a kind of like a I don't, like a meltdown or like an internal um, conflict where I was at a crossroads. I finished my diplomatic tour. I was going to have my second diplomatic tour. Um, you know, they pay for your housing, they pay for your move, all that stuff, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I felt like I was living someone else's life. And every day I woke up thinking about every excuse I could to call off sick at work. My energy was bad. My skin was pale. Um, I didn't have that vitality. My friends noticed that I just wasn't very communicative anymore. Cause you know, when you, when you're like a shell of yourself, you kind of get more and more reclusive. Yeah. So it was kind of that life. And um, 
I'm such a bubbly person, right? I have, I have, a, I have a lot of energy. And so it was very different. And so I had to make a decision, which is, do I keep continuing this career, which was very comfortable, very predictable, um, or do I take the leap and do something different? And I tried to apply for like a thousand jobs. So I was like, look, I was looking for jobs like every single day. I knew I wanted to work in communications because before that I was a TV producer. So I love communications. I love interviewing. I love to see people win. So I was like, I want to do PR, right? Cause I, I was a strong writer and I applied for like over a thousand jobs on LinkedIn, on Indeed. I had people put in like, you know, referrals for me at all the tech companies. And they were all very perplexed about my experience. They're like, you have a really interesting pedigree, but we are looking for very specific PR experience, which is, have you worked at an agency? And I was like, no, I, I haven't worked in an agency, but I know I could do this stuff, you know? So nobody would hire me. And uh, I just had to make a decision and not continue with my next tour. And instead, without a job, move home, get back on unemployment, surrender my pension, my diplomatic passport, give up my condo and move back home, which is like an ego death. And I think going through that and realizing that at the end of the day, it's all ego has made me realize like I can do anything, right? It's just your ego telling you that you need to have a certain perception. And once you don't care that much about how people perceive you, you create all this space to do whatever you really want. That's truly aligned with who you are. Freedom. It's total freedom. Yeah. But it, it really hurts. It's painful. It's, it's, it wasn't like I transitioned from the government and I had a job waiting for me. Like it was slowly painstakingly, like trying different things and applying for jobs that seemed, you know, quote unquote beneath me or whatever. And just realizing like, you know what, this is what I'm good at. This is not what I'm good at. I started to learn how to work with clients, right? I started doing their social media. I started getting little odds and ends jobs and building my business to what it is today and definitely has been quite a journey. Yeah. So how did you, because a lot of that comes from mindset, right? You mentioned that if you had to do things that you felt like were beneath you, which by the way, I completely it's understand that feeling, you know, I think we've all been there. How did you transition to where you are today? Like what was that journey like with it, like from within, you know, the mindset aspect? Oh, I did so I did so many readings, meditations. I learned to connect with my body. I learned that I was giving my energy away like a bottomless pit because I wanted approval and I deeply wanted to be liked. I realized that I was spending time trying to get external validation from friends who really weren't my friends and maybe men who weren't worth my, worth my time. And the more time I spent alone, which was very painful for me because I'm such an extrovert and I've just never been able to spend time alone. I realized the things that I was running away from. And I realized like, it's really not so bad. It's not so bad to get rejected. It's not so bad to lose a friend. What's really worse is, you know, um, putting your energy in, in the wrong place. So I think in order to kind of work on yourself, you just have to be alone. You have to cry yourself to bed a couple of nights, feel quite awful. And then you realize like, it's not the end of the world. It hurts. But, you know, if I can do this, then I'm not going to settle again for an awful relationship. Right. No, I love what you said about what you just said about, um, like, pretty much, I'll just sum it up, the worst thing that could happen after you lose whatever it is, because you're connecting to your higher self. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's gold. I mean, I think we all were so scared of what we're going to lose, right? And what we prob what we may lose, what we're for sure going to lose. But in the process, 
we, if we're so scared, we end up losing a part of ourselves, which is really the worst thing to lose. So when you can go the opposite way, which what you did, you know, to be like, okay, I'm going to lose relationships. I'm going to lose whatever it is, but I'm going to come to myself. I'm going to grow as a person and become, you know, the person that I want to be and that I'm proud of. That's really, that's amazing. That's growth. It's definitely a work in progress. It's still uncomfortable for me, but I really call them like um, micro exercises and resilience, right? So some people take a cold shower for 30 seconds. Um, put yourself in situations where you feel uncomfortable. Maybe say yes to that interview with a job that you know really is two steps above you, but go and mess up and learn that it's not the end of the world, right? Um, so it's just like taking little things here and there that kind of build up your muscle where you realize like, you're not going to be homeless. You're not going to be on the street and you're fine. You're taken care of. Maybe you just can't go out and buy the nice things you used to do. Right. But like, that's okay. That's a short-term sacrifice to be able to be aligned in the future. And when you're in alignment with everything, the money and the abundance, it just flows, right? You know that. Yes. Oh my gosh. We talk about alignment for a minute because I feel like so many women could use some help. How, how, how do you know, or how did you know when you were in alignment? Do you have any advice to offer our listeners? Ooh, I'm still dealing, I'm still trying to be in alignment every day because as you, as an entrepreneur, there's so many opportunities coming your way. You should do this. You should do this. And so it's really about conserving your energy and tapping into your why. So, but, but that comes with practice, right? So when yeah. I built my business, I didn't really know my why so clearly like I do now. And now I've cultivated a community of thousands of female entrepreneurs of color. That's my why. I know my why is to rewrite our media representation. We simply cannot rewrite what an entrepreneur looks like if we don't see ourselves reflected back at us in media. You know, this took me a while to, to know, right? Before that, I was doing all the things that the white marketing bros were doing, all the sales tax tactics that were maybe not as ethical as I would like. And, and in time and learning from people, I realized like, wow, like values are really all you have values and culture, you know, so every day I'm still humbled by the fact that I am not the leader I need to be like I'm still learning like I can't even learn it fast enough I'm like reading all the books but <laughs> developing a team right developing like a, a culture, that's a reflection of you and so that's something that I'm constantly working on is it, it all comes from you it all stems from you. Right, for sure. And I appreciate your authenticity and you know, your honesty because at the end of the day, if anyone's going to say that they are fully developed, that's a lie because we're literally on this earth for a reason. When we become perfect, we will be dead. You know what I mean? So yeah. at the end of the day, you know, it's really important for everyone to remember that we're always going to be works in progress and it's a constant, it's a constant um, evolution, constant work to get to to your alignment, as you said, every day, opportunities come up, things happen. You have to constantly get back to that middle ground where yeah. you are aligned. So that is, that's so true. And in regards to what you said about the mirror reflecting back at you, mm-hmm. only an entrepreneur can understand that the growth that it takes, you see yourself. <laughs> yeah. So it's therapy. I think building a business is literally therapy because all of your triggers, your traumas, your <laughs> scarcity beliefs, it comes out in your business and you see it play out in real time with ripple effects that you would not be able to see in the corporate world because you have those structures in place, right? So I recommend everyone to start a business at least once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So true. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. If there was one thing that I would tell entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you'd probably agree with me, it's about... Um, about the growth that happens 
and the triggers that you see and that you have to grow from when you start your business, because this is not something that I ever would have known. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's a thing. Like, I, I never, before I started my business, I, I thought it was going to be like a regular job, but just it's your own business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between like, a, you know, a, a business owner, right? Because we can all be a business owner, but to be a leader and, and real leaders make impact at a scale. Yes. That's very different. Like anyone can start a business, but are you making an impact beyond just your customers, right? So what is your legacy? You know, so that to me is like the, the defining, um, like the, the differentiation between just a business owner and someone who is a, a true leader. And that's something that you help your clients with your community with as well. And I'm part of your community. So I've, I've seen this firsthand and I so appreciate you. And, um, you know, and because you, you talk about making an impact, that's part of your program, right? That's, and it's so true because, and really that's, that's essential for every single business owner, because when you make an impact, that is the way that you're going to thrive. You give back and people appreciate, love you and you get recognition for that and more sales essentially. Yeah. I mean, you can't make an impact by just being at home all day. You have to spread your message, which I know is scary, right? Because it's like, oh, what if I get haters? But if you look at the people that you follow, anyone that inspires you, they're putting their stuff out there. They're reinventing themselves. And you can't build a bridge and have people come into your world if you just are at home and you're not putting your message out there, you know? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, although I happen to be that now with social media, it's almost like you're out there even when you're not. But yes, yeah. for sure. A lot of women struggle with with confidence, with self-confidence, putting themselves out there, right? Whether it's because they feel that they're not pretty enough or articulate enough or whatever it is, right? Something that you specialize in is helping women, helping people get into the media. So what advice would you give to women as to how to, you know, build up their confidence in regards to putting themselves out there and really getting the, uh, making the impact that they can make? Well, first thing is there's no such thing as a newsworthy person, brand, or business, right? There's there's no threshold for that. Anyone could get featured. Journalism is not dead. People are looking to interview everyday people, not just the Elon Musks of the world. So why have it not be you, right? Another thing is, I think for like decades, the media industry, PR, marketing has told us that you need special privilege and access in order to kind of earn your right to be featured. And that's absolutely not true. It's what keeps BIPOC founders still, you know, not seen and heard. And it's on us to rewrite the narrative. And we simply can't do that if we don't go and pitch our story, you know, whether it's a podcast, which I think everyone should pitch to be on at least one podcast. There's no better way to get in someone's ear for 30 to 40 minutes, build that trust and to get that like sustainable SEO. So definitely, you know, definitely do that. I have a podcast pitching template. You can definitely download it. Um, is that people out there, someone out there who needs to know your story right now in its imperfect form. So think about the people who are silently watching. They're not commenting, but they're, lo they're looking, right? Who can you inspire? And the more you lean into that, the less you feel anxious about your being salesy or pushy. Just always remember your why and why you're doing this. Yes, so true. And also in life, it just really helps to remember your why because <laughs> that can help you continue doing whatever it is that you're doing, even if you're not an entrepreneur, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So speaking of feeling seen, um, you know, I'm curious to hear from you. When has, has feeling seen by someone helped you go on? 
Oof, I think we as humans, we're all looking to be seen. We're literally creatures with antennas wondering, are you my one? Are you my one? Like, are you part of my tribe? Are you part of my tribe? And, um, and that's why communities are so important, right? Because you get to find people who align with you. Um, I think it's so important for people to remember that if you're always going to look for reasons why you're not seeing, kind of like what Brene Brown says, you're going to find it, right? So what you pay attention to is your reality. If you always think that you're not going to be accepted or that you're always an outsider, for example, for me, I don't see many Asian American people in media, let alone telling other people how to get in media, right? So if I spent my whole life counting the ways that I don't belong, then I would have never been able to build a business that I have now, which is 75% women of color. And that starts with me realizing that belonging is a process. It's not just, it's a two-way street, right? It's not just like looking for places where you belong, but you also creating that space for yourself and then inviting other people to belong, maybe building a new table for people if you're not invited to, the, to this other table. I love that about building your own table. Yeah. That's no, that's really cool. It's true because, and you know, it's funny. I heard that from someone else recently who also was as a woman of color and she had to build her own table. And, and you know, that's the perfect white space in the market because you're literally building your own platform and your people will come to you. They'll be attracted to you. They'll be drawn to you like a lighthouse, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be a light for someone, be a part of the yeah. solution. Yeah. Love that. Wow. So if you had one message to give over to the next generation of women, what would that message be? Ooh. I think it would be that growth and success comes from doing things way before you are ready. I know Maury Forleo says this too, but I built my business not knowing how to build a business. I never had anyone in my family who was a business owner. I didn't know how to start a podcast. Just, you know, like when you started your podcast, you didn't know you just do it. You do it. And then you learn by doing. And before you know it, you look back on your progress and you're like, wow, I did so much. So don't measure yourself by how far from the horizon you are, because you're never going to get there. Um, look back and measure your progress from how far you've come. So I encourage everyone to kind of look back and just be so proud of what you've already accomplished. Yeah. I love that. So often in life, we, we, um, kind of like just keep comparing ourselves to and thinking of what we haven't got to well like how far back we are when in mm -hmm. reality when when we don't give ourselves credit or celebrate the small wins you know yeah. so that's really that's a great one thank you okay gloria where can people find you if they want to learn more about you well i would love for them to find me on all the things i'm on uh social media on instagram at gloria chow pr so that's spelled c-h-o-u p-r um i have a free PR masterclass. If you want to finally spread your message out there and be a source of light for someone, you can go to gloriachowpr.com slash masterclass. And I have a Facebook group as well that you are in where we have over 4,000 women who are supporting each other, um, who are landing PR or just starting. And you can join us there at getfeaturednow.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Gloria. This was so wonderful having you. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 